I'm going to attempt something strange, uh, and this has been my method this quarter. I've been doing different things for those of you who pay attention. I did a true two-parter separated by Sundays. I don't like to do that. Um, and I did a couple of uh, what, what I call a one-off, just one Sunday at a time. And today I'm actually going to take two messages, and we're going to cram them into one, and we're going to have fun. Are you ready? Okay, so you can turn to Ephesians 1, but before we go there, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Bible. This is City Bible Church, and I just want to clarify a few things, okay? I, I've learned, especially with um, conversation with people, and uh, some people assume that I'm a lot younger because I'm immature, or they don't think that I have a degree because I goof around and tell jokes, and then they get close to me and they see my gray hair, and they go, whoa, I thought you'd be more serious at your age. Um, but one thing I learn in conversations with people is that they struggle with either one of two ways of relating to Jesus, and that is biblical things that we're told to relate to Jesus as both our Lord and our friend. I also find that people struggle with relating to God in a healthy way through His Word. And so I want to clarify and talk a little bit about the Bible. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about some what I would call harmony issues today, uh, secondary, as opposed to the melody, the primary, which is the gospel. Most of what we talk about on most Sundays is the gospel. Today we're going to talk, uh, was that confusing? I'm sorry, forget I said that. Chris is looking at me like he's confused. The Bible, and, and Joe was helping me as I had a bunch of stuff falling out of my Bible today. I love my Bible. I mean it. I, I love my Bible. I love my Bible more than my kids love goldfish crackers. Those are serious words in my house, right? Children cannot live without goldfish crackers, right? I love my Bible. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Bible in our first half of this uh, talk today. The Bible, I believe, is God's Word. And I believe that it is source material. Now, this is a phrase that has meaning today, right? Source material. The Bible is source material for our life. Now, I want to get a little bit more specific, okay? Um, I was swapping stories with some old friends this past week at a conference for our network of churches, and I was reminded of the most dangerous game I've ever had people play. Um, I used to be responsible for over 100 um, high school and college students, and uh, that you might think that sounds crazy, but it's true. And I think the most dangerous game that I've ever had people play is what I call flashlight soccer. Now, it's pretty much what it sounds like. You get in a gym, you set it up to play indoor soccer, you have some people bring flashlights, and then you turn off all the lights. And then you play soccer. I've never played that game and not had somebody get hurt. <laughs> it really is as dangerous as it sounds. I, don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. The psalmist writes in the poem in Psalm 119, that the word of God is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. In the scripture, there's much that can illuminate your life, how to live it, how to walk, where to go, what to do. 
God said that he would be to us like a voice from behind us telling us when to turn to the right or to the left. He is referred to as the good shepherd. And in fact, when shepherds lead their sheep, they actually lead them from behind. They walk behind them and they speak to them and the sheep know their voice and they know where to go. And then they have a rod and a staff. One is to protect them against other animals and one is to discipline the sheep. Topic for another day. But the scripture reveals God to us and functions much like a flashlight. It really does. And so if you've been to our website, cbcbaltimore.com, which we apparently are talking about a lot today, um, you can read our statement of belief, what we believe as a church. A couple of you may have done that. Uh, Some of you did that before you ever came here to begin with, which I think is a good idea. A summary statement that's on our website about Scripture says this, the Bible is the perfect guidebook for living life. The Bible is the perfect guidebook for living life. That was a good time to say amen. The Bible is the perfect guidebook for living life. Uh, More specifically, this is what we believe. We believe in the inspiration of the accepted canon. That means the 66 books that we have right here. The accepted canon of scriptures as originally given. And that they are infallible, inerrant, and the sole and final authority for all matters on faith and conduct. That's what we believe. Now, today is not a time for me to dive into um, the canon itself. How did it come to be? Many questions that you might have. I would love to do that. I would love to hear your perspective. I'd love to dialogue about that. In the church email, I did email out a few pages that are relevant to this topic. um, And happy to email books. Happy to dialogue as much as possible. But I think it's good to clarify from time to time what we believe. Are you with me? This is what we believe. If you're in the process of learning, growing, that's fine. But you should know what you're a part of. This is what we believe. Why did God give us the Bible? Well, it's really helpful because the Bible's primary purpose is not to give you do's and do nots. Anybody? Hello? It's really important for us to understand that that is not... The primary purpose of Scripture. It is a purpose of Scripture. It is one way that Scripture can be used in a healthy way. But it is not the primary purpose of Scripture. God gave us the Bible to teach us about Himself. Why? Because that gives us the redemptive story of God through all of human history, before human history, and after human history. It gives us God's story, his, the, the arc of his story, and the redemptive nature of what God is setting out to do. The Bible reveals that to us. It teaches us about him. It teaches us about ourselves and about the world we live in. Are you with me? There, the Bible has a lot to say about what we are, who we are, and the world that we live in. The Bible does enable us to live a life that glorifies God. Or as we'll see in Ephesians, imitating Him. Uh, It gives us truth that when we put it to the test, it works. And it can help us do life in a healthy way. And it should bring us to a point of being emotionally healthy. Mentally healthy. Spiritually healthy. Not freaked out, wigged out, crazy. Not guilt-tripping, 
not spending so much time in church or around church people or in the scripture itself that we're totally useless when it comes to relating to the average person that doesn't believe in scripture, doesn't believe in Jesus. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? It does have purpose. Why did, you, why did God give us the Bible? One is to facilitate a relationship with God. The scripture says, faith comes by Hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you can't really have faith in God in a complete way of absolute truth without learning from Scripture. Right. Right? We can't divorce Jesus and His bride, which is the church, and we can't separate learning about God and having a relationship with Him from the way that He chose to reveal Himself to us, which is Scripture. It also, God gave us the Bible because it exalts Jesus. You may or may not know, but in every single one of the 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis through the revelation of Jesus, the actual title of that book, you can see Jesus in every book of the Bible. It's like Campbell's Soup. It's in there. It's in there. And it prepares us for our God-given mission. Did you know that every one of us, whether we're repentant or not, whether we're enjoying God or not, every one of us was created by design. Every one of us has a purpose in this life, and the scripture prepares us for that purpose. Now, it's important to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And your motivation when you go to the scripture will have a lot to do with whether or not you going to the scripture is an enjoyable experience. There he goes using those warm, fuzzy words again. No, it's true. Because we can, when, especially when we're immature in Christ or immature as people, we can come to the Bible for all the wrong reasons, yep. right? You reminded Eddie Murphy doing buckwheat, Wokampanub in all the wrong places, Wokampanub. We can come to God, we can come to the Scripture for the wrong reasons. When we come to the Scripture for the wrong reasons, we still encounter the truth, but it's more difficult, we should not come to the Bible out of guilt. Now I'm feeling guilty standing here because I have come to the Bible out of guilt myself. Are you with me? There's no one perfect in this room. We all at some point have come to Scripture out of guilt. Not healthy. Now if it gets you there, okay, but let's try to grow up out of that. Okay? We shouldn't come to the Bible to gain status. And, and I, um, one of the quickest ways that, I, to be perfectly honest, and there's no one in this room who is like this, so I feel the freedom to talk like this. One of the quickest ways for me to get immature and irritated and impatient is with the Bible geeks that just have learned a lot of trivia and want to quiz you on the trivia. No one in here is like that. But that, man, you want to get me irritated, put me in a room full of those people, I will lose my salvation. <laughs> It's a joke, just a joke. But I will be tempted to sin and throat punch somebody. (laughs) We do not approach scripture to gain status. To learn information to puff us up. The Bible itself says knowledge puffs up. Right? Right? So my motive when I approach scripture should not be I'm going to learn all this information. See, the fact of the matter is, is that you can go to Scripture and end up farther away from God. Yeah. That's right. That's right. 
Now, I don't have time for this today, but there's a whole study in history and in the scripture. In the scripture, the Greek word is nomos, which is a, where we get knowledge or information that I learned and a perversion, a twisting. We get the word perversion from twist to twist the scripture. Did you know that from the book of Genesis all the way through, we see the devil quoting scripture? Even the demons of hell believe that there's a God and they know the scripture. Okay, In the garden, the, the serpent quoted scripture to Eve. He twisted it. He twisted God's word, but he still quoted God's word. What happened when the Satan came to Jesus? Jesus is fasting and Satan comes to tempt him. What does he do? He quotes scripture. You can quote scripture and be in hell. Okay, so let's not confuse knowing the Bible with knowing Jesus. Hello? Right? Jesus said that the day will come when some will come before him and say, look at all these religious things I did for you. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Right? So we come to scripture to know the one true living God. Scripture tells us to repent of our sins, to follow Him, to make Him our Lord and our Savior, to believe in our heart and speak with our mouth the truth, right? So our relationship with Scripture is very, very important. And many of us in this room lead Bible studies or small groups or something. I want to also point out that the Scripture is not just there. Our motive should not just be to gain teaching material. Hello? Right? It's for you to interact with the living God. Now, in my home, there are many Lego minifigures. In my home, there are many Lego minifigures. And here's one thing that I think often gets ignored when it comes to approaching Scripture, okay? God is not us. Are you with me? He's our creator. That's why... Following God, submitting to God is not only right, it's also best. He brought you into this world, he can take you out, right? God, like, and I, I, we have, my son and I will put like these 50 Lego minifigures we have out on this table, and we're interacting with it kind of like the Lego movie. Spoiler alert, there's real people in the Lego movie, and the plot involves how they interact with the story and the, and the Lego minifigures. God is like the way that I interact with the Lego minifigures on the table. It's like God came down in the flesh through Jesus Christ, and then his spoken, inspired word that speaks to us every day is God's way of like bringing his finger down into our world to reveal himself to us he created us all unique i apologize some people there are scary he created us all unique and we've all got our thing we let our freak flag five we've got our what the doctor who or whatever it is you know we're doing life and we're like so excited about all these things we're doing life but yet god has chosen to reveal himself to us to insert himself Again, into our world to speak to us. And we got to remember, we're Lego minifigures. Right? Right? All of us. I'm not more important than you. You're not more important than me. We all Lego minifigures together. But God has chosen to reveal himself to us, and so we should be hungry to learn about him. How do we approach the scripture? This is really important. 
I hear a lot of believers talk about prayer and about reading their Bible. And normally it's associated with guilt. Oh, I haven't done enough of that. Oh, such a backwards way of approaching God makes me crazy. Because God sent his son to die for us that we could relate to him through grace. Relating to him through legalism is a wasting the grace of Jesus. Okay, but we need prayer. We need the Bible as a means of relating to him. What grieves me is that I don't hear more believers talking about reading their Bible while praying. Those two are not meant to be your right hand and your left hand. You put your right hand in, you put your left hand in. I pray and then I read. I read and then I pray. One's on Christmas, one's on Easter. Oh, sorry, is that too real? I'm going to just tell you the truth. Reading the Bible can be hard. It's got its own, some of it's poetry, some of it's history, some of it's just numbers. There's a whole book called Numbers. Some of you are like, whoa, there is? Yeah. We should pray while we read. It works. It's sticking works. We should pray while we read. That's a really good approach. It's a really good method. We should approach the Bible with faith, believing that God will help us with it. Believing that we'll be changed through it. Now that means you saying, God, I don't see it. God, help me see it. I will agree with it. I'll take action on it. That's what faith is. Remember we talked about that last year? I'm going to approach the scripture with faith. That means God, help me see what you see. Help me agree with it and help me take action because of it. That's how I should approach scripture. And then I should also approach scripture, if it is the word of God, with obedience. With a preconceived notion, a position, a posture, that when the, the God is revealed to me through the scripture, I will obey. This is really good. This is really good. This will change your life. I should have a preconceived notion that my mindset, my ideas, my funky philosophy that I've developed through talking with my other Lego minifigure friends is not higher than, more important than, more true than, more dependable than the word of the living God. Can I get a witness? Yeah, you got one right here. Right? Right here. (laughs) But what we often do is these conversations I've had with other people from which I've developed my own philosophy of life. And, oh, I heard there was an article, there was a headline. Oh, there's the scripture contradicts itself and da-da-da-da. Horse pucky! We develop a preconceived notion of what we think, and then my thoughts, my feelings, which fooled me, which got me fired from the one job, got me dumped by the one girl, my thoughts, my feelings, then are more important, more reliable than the word of the living God? Oh. Oh. No. See, it concerns me deeply that so many people do not respond to the word of the living God the way that the people who did repent. Acts chapter 2. See, we we are an Acts chapter 2 church because we take the Bible as truth. The people that did respond to the words of Jesus and the words of Peter 
when they repented of their sins, what did they do? They devoted themselves to it. So our approach to scripture should be devotional reading. Yes, but devotional reading should mean that I am devoting myself to it. Why? Well, for one, God loves you. God loves you. Do you know that when you have convinced yourself that your, more, your opinions are more important than him, he still loves you. Amen. He hasn't given up on you. He's not given up on you. His love doesn't run out. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. He's not holding up a stick ready to smash you. He didn't cause that car accident, that incident of cancer to punish you. That's not how God works. God's not holding out on you. God's not withdrawing his peace from you. God is available to you. When we get arrogant, when we get puffed up, when we refuse to come to him humbly with faith and with prayer, he still loves us. Amen. He loves you. He cares about you. It's why he provided his word. He knew that we would need help. He knew that there would be times when people would fail us. He knew that there would be times that we were confused. He knew that we wouldn't know how to do marriage and parenthood and all these other things. He knew that we would get frustrated. We'd be overwhelmed. He knew that we would get ourselves into situations where we couldn't see the way out. But because he loves us, he gave us his word to Help us. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Are you okay? Yes. Okay, I'm going to lift from Paul's letter to the Ephesians a few verses. I want, for today, for the sake of time, I knew I would be up against it. I'm going to put them all on the screen and we're just going to move through them clear quickly. And I want to give you an example. I can use the Bible as source material for how I live my life. Do you know that God cares more about your how than a lot of other stuff? Let's talk about how you live your life and how you do relationships. And as we read these scriptures, those of you that are married or about to get married, how do you do marriage? And how, you parents that are in the room, how do you do parenthood? Because these words are relevant to how you do your life. And I, work, I want to show you right now how we approach the Bible as source material. Are you ready? Yeah. Go! Here we go. Okay. Ephesians 5.21 is where we're going. Our title today, Out of, Out of Reverence for Christ. But first, let's go to chapter 1. I'm just going to lift, lift a few. They're on the screen for us today. God loved us chose us in Christ. This letter starts with identity material. It's about our identity, who we believe that we really are. Do you know, uh, and this is taught from a lot of perspectives, including perspectives that don't believe in God or the Bible, the truth of the matter is taught that for you to have successful relationships in business, in education, in marriage, and in parenthood, what you believe about yourself is really important. Are you with me? Okay, so the Bible says, God's word says to us that God loved us, chose us in Christ. He, speaking of the gospel and Jesus, he did this so we would praise and glorify him. This goes back to what we talked about last week, enjoying God and talking about it. 
It's only about God's, by, excuse me, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Not for any good works that you've done. You didn't earn your salvation. It's by the grace of God. That should give you a reality check. It should soften your edge. You should not be a harsh, judgmental person. Hello? In your relationships, if you really believe that it is God, if you really believe that not because of any good works that you have done, God chose you, He saved you, He loved you by His grace, it should rub off those harsh, rough edges. Okay, from chapter 2. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. He created us anew in Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned. Chapter 3. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. God does not want you to treat Him out of intimidation and fear, nor does He want you to relate to Him through superstition. I have to have not sinned today before I can talk to God or pick up my Bible. Right. No, that's not, that's not being a Christian. That's right. being superstitious. Right. Okay, That's the way people relate to idols. That's the way people relate to God through the Quran. That's the way, no, no, that's not the God we serve. Amen. We relate to Him through grace. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Through grace. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. From chapter 3. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, how many of you are feeling like we lost more than one hour last night and you're not feeling strong? <laughs> right? Right? All right? Keeping it real? You can feel stronger based on truth through how you are digesting the love of God for you. Your roots will grow down into God's love. May you experience the love of Christ. What we talked about last week is biblical. From chapter 4, lead a life. Now we're getting, you see that the temperature is getting turned up in this letter. Are you tracking? Now we're talking about actions. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Always be humble. He's not talking to the preachers. He's not talking to the professional Christians or the people that we just let them pray and we don't pray. No, no, no. This is for, and literally, he says you, it's literally the pure plural, all y'all. He's you all. He's writing to each believer. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Always be humble and gentle. Now, does that sound like the way we should interact with others at work? Yes. Right? In the neighborhood, in our marriages, in our parenting. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. If you're in relationship with other humans, they're not perfect yet. They're still going to goof up. Just prepare yourself for it. Right. You know, it's easier to forgive when you've prepared yourself that they're going to goof up. Right. I'm not talking about being pessimistic, but that's what it, making allowance for each other's faults. Are you with me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love this one from chapter 4. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. We're going to have thoughts. We're going to have attitudes that don't glorify God. Somebody! <laughs> and when you have that attitude, somebody! you got to say, Oh, Spirit, renew my thoughts and attitudes. Make them new again. Right? It works. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. From the beginning of chapter 5, imitate God 
in everything you do. Now, don't you think that if at work or in, with, in marriage, as you relate to your spouse or as you parent a child, if you were imitating God, if you were showing the love of like who he really is in the Bible, not you getting a God complex, you hear me? Right? If I'm imitating the love and the care and the compassion of God, the way that God never gives up on us, the way that God is always forgiving, full of mercy and truth, it just overflows, my relationships are going to change. You know what I'm saying? Right? Right? My relationships are going to change. Imitate God in everything you do. Because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. Be careful how you live. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, I, social media posts concern me because I think some of us know a whole lot more about what a journalist or a boss or some other expert or a blog think about every life issue than we know what God thinks about the issue. I'm way more concerned about what God thinks about an issue than any human. Are you with me? And then from there, I want to know what Jesus specifically said about an issue, or what would Paul, what would Peter, what, what, what do these, what would they be thinking? I want to think about that before I think about somebody else. Are you with me? Right? So a part of that is going to include Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't get drunk. And the full verse here in the New Living says, for that will ruin your life. I want to be clear. We believe that drunkenness is a sin. It's very clear in the Bible. It's crystal clear in the scripture. That drunkenness is a sin. And the danger of alcohol is that normally it's somebody else that has to tell you when you've crossed that line. Right? Normally when you're in the process from the first drink to the whatever number drink... You're, you, you're not normally the one who knows when you've crossed the line until you've crossed the line. The scripture is very clear. Now, it's not clear. I, at, at times, Paul even suggests to Timothy, take a glass of wine for your health. So abstinence completely from alcohol is not crystal clear in scripture. But drunkenness, it's crystal clear. Don't get drunk. But instead, and this is what I love, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're here and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm happy to pray for you. But guess what? You don't even need me to pray for you. You can pray by yourself and get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's possible. We believe it. It's also on that section of the website. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and give thanks. Now, we come to our title verse. Are you ready? Isn't this amazing? We're ending where we were supposed to have begun. (laughs) I love you guys. Chapter 5, verse 21 and this is he enters the section specifically talking about marriage and parenthood. And this applies to family relationships. But I want to say something very specific. Because we're entering the section of scripture that gets abused and twisted and manipulated and used in mean ways. Which is why some people call mean Christians out. And what I've never seen is a married couple relate to each other out of this verse first and have a problem with the rest of it. Did you hear me say that? Yeah. That's not my first rodeo, okay? Rebecca and I got engaged a few weeks ago as of 19 years ago. In August, we'll have been married 19 years. We've been doing premarital counseling and marriage counseling. We've both taken classes. We've been trained. We've been doing marriage counseling for a long, long time. Let me tell you something about marriage. 
if I relate to my spouse out of this verse, it's all good. Now let's talk about this verse. Submit to one another, and by grammar we know he started to talk to husbands and wives. Submit to one another out of reverence. I closed my Bible. I needed that note. I wrote down the translation here, and I need that. Reverence, which is also in some translated fear, literally means we are choosing to follow the submit to one another, choosing to follow the directives of another out of a sense of awe and constant awareness of Jesus. Now here's what I found. Where there's sexual addiction in a marriage and infidelity and things like that going on, a person who's being unfaithful is not being unfaithful and thinking about Jesus at the same time. Where there's drunkenness, where there's a misuse of money, gambling, huge problem in our country, homes just wrecked because of wasting money on gambling. With any of these things, when there is a selfish abuse that is going on, when there's hurt, I would have to say that in every occasion that I can think of standing here, selfishness is at the root of the marital problem. If both spouses... And this applies to parenthood, this applies to your relationships in business and with neighbors and with other people as well. But if we will relate out of a constant awareness, an awe and a constant awareness of Jesus, we'll relate differently. And when we relate differently, it changes the atmosphere in the room. And when it changes the atmosphere in a room, what would have been a fight is no longer a fight. Are you with me? It just got real, didn't it? The truth of the matter is, is that we need to repent. We need to confess where we're wrong. We need to confess that it was wrong. Be honest. Say we're sorry. Make a commitment to not do it again. That's repentance. Repentance is not repentance without change. I'm not going to do it again. Now, it's okay to ask God for help because you have a hard time seeing that you won't do it again. God does want to help you. But what I'm saying is that the scripture is very, very clear when it comes to our relationships with each other. We should, especially in these immediate family relationships, submit to each other, right? Respond to the directive of another, but not out of respect to them. That gets twisted. You hear what I'm saying? Out of awe and a constant awareness of Jesus. So, I know that this is going to sound strange, but Rebecca is not perfect. She's really close, but she's not perfect. And don't you know that how I relate to her when she's not perfect should not have anything to do with if she's not perfect. Or what she did or said in that moment. When I relate to her, 
It should be out of a sense of awe and a constant awareness of Jesus. And if I am aware of Jesus, that takes me back to what I was before him. It takes me to who I am without him. It makes me gracious. It makes me forgiving. It makes me not keeping track of faults, not keeping an HR file on my wife. Hello? Love keeps no record of wrong. Love believes the best. It puts me in a place in that relationship where I'm loving her because of who and what Jesus is for me. Because of what Jesus has already done. So isn't this amazing? It works. There is help for us in the scripture with how we do our relationships. Now I could have done an easy one. That would have been nicer. I went right to a hard one. But I went to one that I, I've never heard someone quote it when they're talking about their marriage. Well, the Bible says da 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 I've never heard somebody quote this one. Are you with me? If we put this to use, it works. It works. And then when we get to heaven, which... Those of us that are repentant followers of Jesus, we will. And when we are no longer male or female, Jew or Greek, we will recognize each other. And we will have memories of what happened on this earth. And when we relate to each other here and now, we can relate to each other out of a reverence for Jesus and what he means in that moment. Are you with me? Now, this might sound difficult, but I've got good news for you. God loves you. The Bible says when you need help, ask for it. God will help you. This might sound intimidating. It might sound difficult. But listen, it works. God wants to help you do it. He wants to bring change in your home. He wants to bring change with how you live. Change that's authentic. Change that is real. Change that is not for one afternoon and then you're back to the old habits before. Can I get a witness? Right? God wants to bring that change. He wants to help you live a new life out of your personal transformation in Him. Out of your salvation. Amen? Amen. Now, the Bible has a lot to say. I should say God has a lot to say through the Bible about how we live our life. What to do with money. How to work. How to conduct your home. How, how to build. How, how to do business. It has a lot to do. Do you know that most of Jesus' stories were set in the marketplace? The Bible has a lot to say about business. It has a lot to say about love. It has a lot to say about romance, marriage. It has a lot to say about parenthood. It is rich. It is an inexhaustible resource. Because our God is an inexhaustible resource. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer today. Lord, I thank you so very much that you love us, that you, when we're unlovable, when we're rough around the edges, you love us. 
You don't give up on us. You're here for us. I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word, that we can learn more about you, how you feel, what you think through the scripture, that we can learn more about what you have to say about our world, uh, about yourself, about salvation through the scripture. I thank you that you've not left us on this earth without help. Thank you for it, Lord. Help us to encourage each other, to love on each other today, and to learn more from your word today about how to do life. Help us, Lord, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Okay, let's remember this. Lunch next Sunday. Bring a friend. Bring some food. We'll have a good time together. Uh, we've got invite cards. You can invite someone. Please make sure you get a hold of that uh, print piece today. Um, it's also in your email. Grace and peace to you. Have a great day. Thank you for being here.